Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Today we've got a crazy story of revenge, leaving somebody at the altar. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, I took revenge on the bully. I'm an 11-year-old from a middle-class family of five. I attend QYA Middle School and I'm in grade six. However, there's this 12-year-old kid in grade 7 who's the number one bully of the school, but goes unpunished every time he commits an atrocity because he's from a wealthy family and mainly because his parents are the prominent donors to the school. I dislike him because he gloats too much. He's too full of himself. Every teacher, including the school's principal, looked the other way whenever the atrocities of W were reported. My dislike for him began when he bullied one of my close friends to hand over his lunch, but my friend disagreed and I supported the decision. The moment the bully W saw that my friend was not ready to surrender his lunch, like every one of the kids in grade 6 like us would, he was highly enraged. Because of his rage, he pushed him to the floor and began hurting him. I wanted to take him off my friend, but his minions didn't let me. I kept screaming and shouting, get off my friend, you're hurting him, but all my words fell on deaf ears. When I saw that commanding him to get off was not going to work, I began to plead for him to leave my friend. He did listen, but rather than let us be, he passed the aggression to me and began to beat me up for shouting and disturbing his eardrum. The onlookers in the cafeteria could do nothing but watch. However, one of my classmates ran as fast as his legs could carry him to the principal's office. Immediately, Mr. J, the principal, heard about the fight. He left his desk and went straight to the cafeteria, only to behold a bloody scene where my friend was on the floor writhing in pain while I was being battered terribly by W. The principal separated the fight as soon as he recovered from the shock he felt the minute he entered the cafeteria. I was beyond delighted to see the principal because I thought he would surely take my side after seeing the damage done by W. But to my disappointment, Principal J just scolded W by word of mouth. I was shocked because I expected the principal to take the proper measures like suspending him for fighting with his fellow student. After the incident, I discovered why the school's management did not adequately scold him. I found out that Mr. J, the principal, was W's maternal uncle. I was so furious with the level Mr. J stooped to in his path of injustice. W avoided my friend and me for a week after the incident, but the moment he sensed that the previous matter had died down, he began his assault. But this time, his assault was twice what it was before the incident because he knew that no teacher or management could take the necessary step to curb his bold attitude. Some days after, my friend and I decided to eat our homemade lunch in the class rather than at the cafeteria. Though eating in the class was prohibited, we felt that if we ate in class, W and his minions wouldn't look for us in a bid to have our respective lunchboxes. After about two or three minutes of moving to the end of the classroom to evade the prying eyes of W, we began eating our food like fugitives that had not had anything to eat in six days. Unknown to us, one of his minions came to the classroom, saw us eating in the school, took a picture of us and went to show it to the principal. 
who called our name from the PAS, public address system. We were both caught off guard because we felt that no one saw us. We knew we had been found out when we got to Principal J's office and saw our homeroom teacher. We were given a one-week detention for flaunting the rules and regulations of the school. Another painful thing W did to me was he locked me in the locker. According to him, locking me in the vault would teach my friend and me not to go against him and his minions again. Instead, we would be very obedient. I had to keep banging on the door of the locker I was in the moment I began to hear voices outside. I kept hitting the door because my life depended on it. About three minutes, I think, the entrance to the locker was opened by a junior student who heard disruptions and decided to find out the cause of the noise. I was so happy for the temporary freedom because I knew that W still had a lot of bullying up his sleeves. As if locking me in the locker was not enough, W decided to pull a hard one on me during PE class. Before our PE teacher entered the class, W grabbed my friend and me and pulled down our shorts exposing our underwear. Before we could pull our shorts up, he took a picture of us and posted it to the school website. What a public shame that was. I was stupefied that I broke into tears with what he did because I didn't expect him to go such lengths to try and disgrace me. I was so afraid of checking the school website when I returned to the confines of my room because I didn't know what to expect. Nonetheless, I found the courage and checked the website. What I saw was so shaming that I decided there and then that I was never going back to the school. But my parents thought otherwise but promised to come over to my school. I was on my way to school the next day, even after a lot of my protesting. On getting to school, I saw my friend who was as gloomy as I was and immediately guessed that he also did not want to come to school with the amount of humiliation we received from W and his minions. Throughout the day, my friend and I got many disapproving stares, while some were full of pity. I was so tired of being the object of attention of the school in a disgraceful way, but thanks to W, I can't evade it. He was always finding ways to make my friend and me the object of laughter and mockery. That same day, my parents came as promised and told the principal of the latest development. But to my astonishment, the principal pretended and lied that he had no clue of such. With his denial that there was no such thing on the school website, my parents could no longer pursue the matter. Instead, they could only implore him to focus more on the happenings in the school rather than leaving most of it to the teachers. When my parents left the school, W came to me and threatened to take more degrading pictures of me any chance he got and post them on the school website as he did earlier if I did not stop telling my parents of his bullying. He said that if he were to beat me to death, no one would question him because he gives the rules and not the other way around. As he made his point known, he left my presence, but his threats did not go with him. I wondered if he was 12 years old and not 21 years old because the threats felt like they were spoken by someone much older than I am by 7 to 10 years. After my parents' visit to the school died, W came up with another way to piss me off, eating my lunch and my friends behind our backs. They bullied my friend and me, beating us, eating our lunches, playing pranks on us, and sometimes making us get detention for his crimes by framing us as the villain. There were times he would steal something valuable from the table of our homeroom teacher and any teacher and frame us as the culprit so we could get detention. Still, there was a day he stole something from the principal and, as usual, left it in our locker. 
My friend and I thought we would only get detention as we've been getting them before, but unfortunately, we got a month of community service. This pain infuriated me to the point that I could not take the hardship anymore. I could not tell my parents what was happening to me in school because of the threat W gave me the last time my parents came to the school. I had to suffer everything in silence. I was getting frequent detention, which was of great concern to my parents because I was never the one to cause trouble. However, the moment I got the community service sentence for stealing the property of my principal, they knew something was amiss. But I begged them fervently that they should please not go to my school, at least for now, to lay any complaint. During the cause of my community service, W and his minions would occasionally come and mock me. Sometimes, they would come to take pictures of me in the uniform for community service given to me by the school management. I know you're probably thinking of the whereabouts of my friend. We were both separated because they didn't want us to devise and commit another crime bigger than they could handle. The harassment from W and his loyal minions continued until I finished my community service. The harassment and prank from W and his gang of loyal friends did not stop. Instead, it went higher. This time, they gave my friend breathing space and their entire focus was on me. They would double-cross me in the neighborhood after school hours and ask for mundane things, and if I refused to produce them, they would beat me up into a pulp. Most of the time, I'm rescued by a passerby and sent to a hospital for immediate medical care. Due to the constant beating and stress, I suffered massive internal bleeding, swollen eyes, and broken ribs, among other injuries. Anytime my parent was in the hospital to see me, they would be so mad at me for not telling them about the bullying sooner. For instance, my dad mentioned laying complaints to the principal of the school and the police so that the right thing would be done. With my condition, I pled that they would take no such step because they would be exposing me more, and I thank God that they reasoned with me and promised not to take any action yet. A few weeks later, after immense treatment under the eagle eyes of my parents, nurses, and doctors, I was back on my feet. Even after my discharge from the hospital, my parents, especially my mom, made me stay an extra week for adequate bed rest. During my bed rest period, I had a heart-to-heart talk with my parents, and I also promised them that I would do my utmost best to stay away from W, his minions, and the trouble he was always carrying with him every time. They made me promise to open up to my principal about everything that happened. I did as I promised my parents. I told the principal everything, but just as I imagined, he claimed everything I said was my way of defaming his nephew because of jealousy and envy. He told me never to return to his office for such an unimportant thing. When I saw that no matter how much I reported his excesses to the school authorities, they would take no step. I decided to take the laws into my own hands. I had decided to take revenge on W for all his misconduct, and there was no going back. Because I wanted my revenge plan to be executed neatly, I withheld the information from everyone and anyone, including my close friends from school. The first step to my revenge expedition was to learn more ways of pranking someone from my bad-to-the-bone paternal cousin during our summer break. I learned a lot of moves from her, and even if I were to execute them, I was sure not to be suspected. My first prank was to flip his backpack inside out, transfer the contents back into the bag, and tightly tie some zip ties together. I love this particular prank because for him to open his backpack, he'll have to cut the zip tie. To make this prank effectively piss W off, I did it towards the end of class. 
when he would have no choice but to carry the backpack home in its inside-out form before cutting the zip ties. The moment he stepped out with his inside-out backpack, he was laughed at by most of the students, even though they were terrified of his reaction. Well, I can't blame them for how they laughed at him. He was just so full of himself. He was so ashamed that he ran straight to his car with his head bent and tail between his legs. I was thrilled to have seen him so embarrassed and out of place. W didn't come to school for the rest of the week because he could not face the mocking stares of every student in QIA middle school. After giving W a taste of his medicine, I decided to up my game because I knew that W's bullying of me would begin in a day or two. I then told my mom always to pack me two lunches. I had to lie to her that it was for my close friend. Meanwhile, it was for W. This time around, I laid the bait for W. As usual, he would come for our lunch, forcefully, and I got extremely sick of it. I then told my mom to add hot spice to one of the lunches, and she helped me with it. Fast forward to school's lunch period, I pretended to be excited about eating my lunch, and just as expected, W came to our side of the table, snatched my lunch, and immediately popped it into his mouth. The reaction he gave after he ate it was priceless. W practically exploded in pain, writhing around the floor because he couldn't handle the heat, but I wasn't done with him yet. I calmly looked at him and told him that drinking a nice glass of cold water would help him reduce the heat immensely. And just as expected of someone in pain, he did what I said. However, when he took the chilled water as I advised, the pain magnified a hundred times the former heat. Since that day, he's never accepted food from me and never bullied me. Did I forget that his mouth was swollen for weeks due to the spice? I did not regret getting my revenge on the bully. Honestly, considering the history and what this bully did to OP, I'm surprised that just having that spice he f- Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that after finishing a small questionnaire will match you with a licensed therapist where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. Food was enough for them to go, alright, I'm leaving this person alone. I feel like it would have only intensified it. But hey, props to OP for finally getting back against this horrendous person. That said, our next story is, Fiance cheats on me one month before the wedding, so I left him at the altar. 
I've gone through some really traumatic stuff in life. The worst one was when both my parents died in a car accident when I was little. I was supposed to be with them in the car that night, but my cousin Stacy just got a new Barbie doll, and I couldn't stop playing with it. So my parents settled on letting me stay over in my aunt's house since it was summer break. The next morning, we got the news that there had been an accident. I was angry for the longest time, but there was nobody to blame. We weren't religious people, so I don't believe there's a god up there pulling the strings, so I can't be mad at him. The second traumatic stuff that I faced in my life happened a few months ago, and it happened at a time when I thought all my troubles are over, and it would only be upwards for me from here. I was set to be married to the love of my life, and nothing could ruin it for me. At least that was what I thought till I caught my husband to be cheating on me with my wedding planner. How ironic that the person that was supposed to help me bring my dream day to fruition was the one who ruined it all. I still have trouble sleeping or trusting people after that happened to me, but I made sure I wasn't the only one who was going to feel that pain, so I ruined his life. But before the details on how I did that, let's start with Kay and the day I met him, the day I now refer to as the most unlucky day of my life. I was fresh out of college and working as a junior associate at a law firm. My daily routine only involved work, work, and more work. I wanted to impress the guys at the top, so I totally abandoned my social life. My roommate Sandy warned against this. She was always telling me to go out more and be more social. One time, she even faked an emergency at a club to get me to come, but when I saw that she was lying about the emergency, I turned back and left. Anyways, one day, my hard work was starting to get the notice it deserved. I was working in my office as usual when one of the assistants came to tell me that one of the partners was looking for me. That was strange to me because I'd only been working in the firm for a few months, and I didn't even expect that the senior associates would know my name. Talk less of the partners. I quickly rearranged myself and walked over to take the elevator up. When I got to the office, the partner, Mr. Braden, told me that he'd been keeping tabs on all the new employees, and that he liked my work ethic, and because of that, he wanted me to do some work because he was trying to bring in a new client to the firm, and he wanted me to do all the necessary research. I was more than happy to. I spent the next few sleepless nights working on the assignment, and when it was done, I submitted the work to Mr. Braden. He thanked me, and when I was about to leave, he asked me where I was going. It was lunch break already, and I was hoping to get some Danish before the other guys hogged them all. He told me there was still work to be done, and I was going to accompany him to the lunch meeting he had with the client. I was so happy about his request that I forgot all about the Danish. Later that afternoon, I went with Mr. Braden to the four-star restaurant where the meeting was held. I was there to merely jot down notes and all, but still, I couldn't stop the excitement that bubbled through me. The client also came with one of the guys in his firm, but at first I didn't notice him. My eyes were fixed on the jotter which I was using to take notes, and when I finally looked up, which was when the meeting was almost over, I caught the client's associate staring at me. As soon as our eyes met, he averted his gaze and his face flushed. I was surprised by his reaction, but I didn't let myself get distracted. I had reports to give for the meeting, and I had to stay on point. Less than 20 minutes later, the meeting ended, and we were ready to go back to the office. I looked at the client's associate again, and he looked a bit uneasy. It was though he had something on his mind that he wanted to say, but he couldn't. I shrugged it off, and we both left the restaurant. I didn't hear from Mr. Braden for the next few days after that. At first, I thought I did a poor job with the report, but that wasn't the case. 
Exactly one week after the meeting at the restaurant, I went to get a new cup of coffee from the break room, and Mr. Braden came to meet me there. He told me that the client would be coming on board, which was a huge win for the firm. He also wanted me to accompany him to the restaurant the next day. The client had some documents to sign, and he wanted to go with someone the client had already seen. The next morning, I got to work bright and early because the client would only be available for a breakfast meeting. When we got to the restaurant, they were already seated, and the client was with the other guy from the last meeting. As soon as we settled on our seats, our eyes met and he gave me a soft smirk, which I responded to with a nod. By the end of the short meeting, Mr. Braden and I had started to leave when the other guy rose from his seat and asked to talk to me in private. I said okay, and we excused ourselves from Mr. Braden and the client who were still talking. The man introduced himself as Kay. One thing I found intriguing about him was the fact that even though he was somewhat shy, he was very direct and went straight to the point. He told me he liked me and he'd like to take me out for dinner. I was shocked. To be honest, all the times he stole glances at me, I thought he did so because of my commitment to the job. I had no idea he was looking at me because he liked me. Don't blame me for my cluelessness, blame the fact that I hadn't had a boyfriend since the second year of college. I also thought Kay was cute too, but I didn't think it would be professional for me to go on a date with a client, and I told him this. He promptly explained that he wasn't affiliated with the client's company, he was a friend. Still, I didn't think the time was right for me to start dating. I had lots of things to achieve career-wise, and I wouldn't like to have anything stop me from doing that. Kay said he understood, but he gave me his business card just in case I changed my mind which I did later that night after Sandy gave me a two-hour lecture on living life and not allowing work to stop me from having fun. I didn't really care for all she said. I only called Kay so she would shut up. We talked for a moment and decided to have dinner that Friday night. It was a Tuesday when I called him, and by that Friday I'd totally forgotten about the date. Not until Sandy called me to remind me not to stand him up. I had to go for the date straight from work because I'd planned to work late, and Sandy called me less than 30 minutes before the predetermined time for the date. I only had time to finish my work and take a cab to the restaurant where we were supposed to meet. Kay was already there waiting for me and I apologized for not having the time to get back home and grab a change of clothes. He waved me off saying he understood that my work was hectic, and he was only glad that I changed my mind. We spent the whole date talking about our dreams and career and I even forgot to eat. I learned that Kay was a college professor and he wanted to go into politics in the near future. I thought that was really cool. And since I was an ambitious woman myself, we clicked really well. By the end of the date, he drove me home and we said goodnight. All I wanted at the end of that outing was to crawl up into bed and sleep till my alarm woke me up in the morning. But Sandy wouldn't even let me leave the living room till she'd gotten every bit of information about the date for me. The next morning, while I was making my favorite weekend breakfast, Kay called me and asked if I wanted to hang out again. Saturday was my me time, but just when I was about to refuse his offer, Sandy threw me a look that meant, I'm gonna kill you if you say no. Eventually, I said yes to his offer, and I ditched my weekend breakfast and went to get ready. One hour later, he was outside the apartment waiting for me. We grabbed breakfast at a fast food restaurant before going to the cinema to see a movie. I actually thought we were just going to spend the morning together, but I was having so much fun that the next time I checked my watch, hours had passed, and we were already in the evening. We ended up hanging out till late that night. 
By the time I got home, Sandy could tell from my look that I'd had a lot of fun. Kay and I started to hang out more often after that, and within the next month, we were officially a couple. I thought Kay was cute and sweet, and I always had so much fun with him. He was also never demanding of my time, and he even encouraged me to go for what I want. He was perfect. Too perfect that one time. I got scared that he wasn't real, and it was all an act. Months passed by in this fashion, and the most intense fight we ever had was about who left the toilet seat open. It was only natural that I thought it was going to last forever. And the day he proposed to me during a weekend we spent in Nassau, I was so happy that I didn't know when the tears started to stream off my face. I thought I was going to have my happily ever after. But sadly, happily ever after doesn't exist. The wedding was set, and the date had been chosen. All that remained was the planning. Normally, I would have done that myself, but because of my schedule at work, at this time, I was already being considered for senior associate, I didn't have the time to put in the work. And because of this, I decided to hire a wedding planner. I hired a lady named Val, and at the first meeting, I was really taken with her skills. So I decided to introduce her to Kay. He had more free time than I did, so I thought it would be okay for him to oversee the wedding preparation. During the first meeting we all had together, I noticed the side glances Kay and Val were exchanging, but I was stupid enough to not think that it meant anything. Kay was asking questions, and I felt it was normal for some people to just stare while asking and receiving answers to the questions. I waved it off as nothing, but during the second meeting, it was obvious that something was going on. Val was dressed way differently than the other time we talked, her skirt was really short, and her top exposed way more cleavage than you'd expect for something that should be a semi-formal meeting, but still, I decided to wave it off. I trusted Kay and I knew he would never cheat on me, or at least I thought so. The next meeting with Val the wedding planner was scheduled just a month before the wedding, and I wasn't supposed to show up because I had a lot of work to do. So Kay decided to talk to Val as we agreed. I was supposed to meet with a new client coming to the firm, but unfortunately something came up and the client had to reschedule. I decided to head over to Kay's apartment to meet up with them for the meeting. As soon as I got into the living room, I knew something was amiss. The last time we had the meeting, it was done in the living room, but now it was empty. Val's purse was on the couch, so I knew that she was around. I was about to check out the balcony when I heard a weird noise coming from the bedroom. I didn't want to believe it, but it sounded like people moaning. I literally had to drag myself over to the door to check what was going on. The door wasn't closed, and with just a slight push, I could see everything going on in the room. It was Kay and Val, naked and going at it like animals. I wanted to scream and fight and claw her eyes out, but I was overwhelmed with sadness that it didn't matter. I stood there for more than a minute and they didn't notice me. They just kept on going. Then I got an idea. I pulled out my phone and took a few pictures and then left the apartment without making a sound. I didn't let Kay know that I saw him and Val and I just acted oblivious to their affair for the next one month. But when it was time for the wedding, That was when I struck my blow. When the priest asked if I would take Kay to be my lawfully wedded husband, I said no in front of everyone in attendance, which involved his friends, 
work colleagues and even some people in government whom he was talking to concerning his political ambition. They were all shocked, but no one was as surprised as Kay. When asked why I said no, I explained how I caught him cheating with the wedding planner who was also in attendance. I even showed everyone the pictures on the big screen before I turned to leave. I didn't take a second to look at Kay, and I just walked out of the hall. I'm sure with a stain like that on his reputation, he would never achieve his dream of becoming a politician. While I do think this is a fair and just revenge, I don't even know if OP's last sentence applies anymore. With the stuff that's gone on in the last few years in politics, I'm not sure if this is a death sentence for their political career anymore. I mean, heck, way back in the day, JFK was sleeping around all the time. It's not like it's a newfangled thing. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy story of revenge, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.